Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. All the on track action, all the news from the pits and paddock. This is IMSA radio. Lightly windy day here at Sebring International Raceway for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship cars already pounding around on track. 18 hours of running for these cars in preparation for the 12 hours of Sebring, fueled by Fresh from Florida, coming up here in about three weeks' time. Hi, everyone. I'm Shay Adam with IMSA Radio RS2, here to bring you two days' worth of interview shows presented by Cadillac. We have many, many, many different cars to hear from. And the drivers, of course, too, but uh, can't help but appreciate the race engines. There's a plethora of cars here for us to choose from. 36 showed up for this test. There were only 35 on the entry list. But then, of course, with the big announcement from CJ Wilson Racing, we got an extra Acura to come and play. So a lot of drivers to go and talk to and a lot of track time for these guys. It's going to be kind of hard to wrangle them when they get out of the cars and off the track. Very little time where cars are not on track today for this Thursday of testing. They've got Thursday and Friday, and then nothing until the middle of March. So everybody taking full advantage of what they've been allotted. Enough for me, though. Let's hear from some of the stars. A lot of track time this weekend for the IMSA WeatherTech Series. 18 hours worth of running. But you get even more if you drive in the LMP3 car as well, right, Kenton Cook? You've had a lot of laps around Sebring so far. Yeah, it's it's been kind of crazy. Last I feel like I've lived in Sebring the past two weeks almost. Uh, last week we were here uh, in both the P3 and GTD car doing some testing as well, and you know and now we're now we're here. So <laughs> again, and I was here for the past two days in the P3 car. So I, I think I know Sebring pretty well now. <laughs> I think I know where every last bump is. Uh, and my feelings also do so useful information though yeah no for sure i mean if you want to know how to like you know ease the pain i think i, I kind of know where, where what spots not to hit now so the last time we talked to you was 24 hours of daytona but we never really got a chance to wrap up what happened in the imsa prototype challenge race it was the first time that it was a race of significant distance at least for the series how was it from your point of view from a driver's point of view I mean, I think uh, from a race standpoint and how it was run, like it's it was a great first race for for the series, and uh, with how many people were there, it was <laughs> really really awesome. Uh, so I, I had a great time. Uh, I mean, we, we kind of just caught out got cut out in the pit stop a little bit, and since then we've kind of fixed our our issues. Um, but the car was fast. We were like literally like two or three hundreds off the fastest lap of the race, and now it's like. P3 has like got some some competition in it, you know, and it's not just, you know, the top two three guys battling it out. There's like, you know, five or six guys in there that are, you know, properly quick. Um, and when you compare that to last year, it's it's a massive step in in uh, the level of competition that we're at, you know. So it's it's really cool. Um, I'm I'm really excited for the rest this uh, race at Sebring because I heard there's supposed to be more, if not the same amount of cars, and I don't know, it's going to be cool. For you guys, you come into the test, and you're obviously missing a very big team, Performance Tech, not bringing their cars to the test. How hard is it for you to gauge where you stand when not everybody comes and shows what they have? I mean, it's it's honestly, we kind of looked at the times from last year and understand what we were doing at the test, and you can kind of tell over the years past of how um, track conditions have affected lap time. Uh, and as everyone knows here, track conditions are like huge into what lap time you you actually show uh you know last year the track was like a second and a half to two seconds faster than it's ever have been before uh you know in the in qualifying they did like a 56 8 or something like that and uh when we were here pretty much no one that's usually doing whatever lap time they're doing got within two seconds of the their lap time they did last year so uh we feel really good with where we're at i mean the car's hooked up and like we actually we can't really do anything more to make it go any faster um but yeah i mean we were we we're doing like 
we had some issues yesterday morning, but our, the, the theoretical was like in the low 58s or something like that. So uh, it's uh, I think I think it's going to be really good for the race. Like, but yeah, it's hard to know exactly where you're at. Yeah. But if you just look at years past and whatnot, I, I think we're we're really right in the ballpark uh, to where we need to be. So. And almost a bit of unfinished business for you, having missed the Sebring races yeah. last year. The program wasn't ready to come together. You feel like you're coming at it with a bit of vengeance. Yeah, especially with having some testing, you know. Yeah. Not like coming in, it's like, you know, I'm not on the back foot. So it's kind of cool to, to be ahead of the game. And extra track time, of course, because running the 71, the P1 Mercedes in the big race, the big show. Yeah. Your second start for the 12 hours, how are you approaching it differently from when you ran it in the PC car? You know, there's there's just an added level of confidence and understanding, knowing what you're getting yourself into, because when it's your first time, you just you don't know what to expect, uh, so, and especially in the PC car that was you know quite you know evil to drive. Uh, you know, when you get into a car that's nice and cushy and like a Cadillac, you know, it's it, it makes things a little easier because you know you're not having to fight a a, a bucking bull. Um, you know, this this thing's pretty easy to drive, so you, it's it adds to you know, the level of, of confidence and, and comfort with coming into a weekend, knowing that, you know, you can drive and get everything out of a car and then also know the, uh, the, the, the culture, I guess, of, of, of the, of the WeatherTech series on, on track, um, if that makes sense. But yeah. Yeah, it's kind of just understanding what, what you're getting yourself into is now I do. So it's kind of cool. And comfort level of this car, getting yourself into it and out of it, it for somebody who's as tall as you are, is it a, a comfortable beast to be steering around things massive inside it's absolutely huge uh yeah i really don't have any issues Uh, getting in and out of it's fine like the only like way i can get out of it is side pipes right next to the door Uh, there's like there's like circle burns on my on my uh not my leg but the the uh the suit from me getting out of the car because i have to uh, it's whatever but um it's not difficult to get in and out of like i uh, when we were practicing driver changes, actually, my driver change was the fastest of, of all of them. So, uh, we're, yeah, I, there's there's no issue. <laughs> Driving with JC Perez and Laura Spinelli again. Now you've got a race under your belt alongside the two of them. How's yeah. the chemistry gelling with you guys? I mean, I think it's always been good, I, and I'm not saying it's it's bad by any stretch. Like it's awesome. Like yeah. it's super good. Uh, Loris doesn't speak uh, English very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're trying to get through that language barrier. Teaching him uh, some bad words. Yeah, of course. Um, but, yeah, through that, though, he's, like, a super awesome guy. It's, I feel bad for him because he's trying to learn English. And uh, he's, he's very nice, very cool guy. And uh, I, I can see that. And, you know, he's, his English has gotten a lot better already. And, like, I'm, I'm super excited to get to know him more. Uh, you know, with, with Daytona being uh, we're only one race in, I haven't spent a whole lot of time around him, and it's it's been difficult to get to know him more because of the language barrier. Uh, so that's really the only thing is just kind of breaking through and being able to communicate. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, everyone's everyone's laughing, you know, slapping each other on the back, having a good time, and you know, the the, the team chemistry is great. Uh, JC's awesome, and it's it's just been uh, a, a really a, a pleasure to to be with a team like this and just have a smile on everyone's face all the time. So it's uh, to say the team chemistry is as good as an understatement. The big announcement being out, coming out on uh, Midweek Motorsport, that CJ Wilson Racing coming to GTD. And one of the names over the door, Mark Miller. Welcome back to IMSA. We missed you at Daytona. You were there. First off, what the heck were you doing during those 24 hours? I was a working stiff. <laughs> um, I uh, had an opportunity to, since we, we didn't have anything set for Daytona on and I didn't have time to kind of scrounge up a GT4 opportunity. Um, I went to work for my friend Bill Riley for on the 75 team and did a lot of spotting and some uh, uh, data analysis and uh, made myself useful. And as always, anytime you're in a situation like that, you learn a lot from it. So, you know, it's, it's something that you can learn and take it to this situation, which is uh, coming back to GTD after a year absence as a driver and uh, working with the team that I've been with for seven years. What happened the last time you ran GTD? Just refresh people's memories. Um, Because <laughs> that was Petit Le Mans, was that not? That was Petit Le Mans 2016, and we sent the Dodge Viper home with a, um, a retired career out a winner 
and won the GTD class, which was a really great experience for me because the every race that I had raced in GTD and IMSA, and I hope this trend continues. We've led, yeah. like I've led, and which is more a testament to the team and the environment that you're around than than me as a driver, but um, still a great opportunity, and we um, we were able to to kind of send that uh, Viper home into a museum or onto its next owner as a winner, which is uh, was special, I know, for for Riley and Ben Keating, and but certainly my first career uh, GTD win in only my first uh, year starting, my fourth race, I think, so that was pretty experience. That was a great experience for me. And this is a new experience as well because you're no longer the third driver or really even the, the bottom of the priority list anymore because you're with a team that you know, a team that you've been with for so many years. So for you, seeing the progression, ST, GS, and now GTD, it, it's got to be on another level. Uh, it is. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm not on the bottom of the priority list because I think, you know, certainly Till is top priority, yeah. be- getting him seat time and comfortable and everything. So, um, like like always, I think a, a good co-driver gives up some seat time to make sure that his co-driver is really spot on and does a great job, and um, I'm certainly willing to do that. But given the fact we have, I believe, I heard it yesterday, you said, 18 hours of track time, and there's only two of us on the door at the moment, we definitely have a lot of opportunity. So I don't know how much track time I need to give up to, to, to Till. I don't think we have enough tires here to do 18 hours. Um, so, um, But the, the learning experience is still going to be pretty big. This is a new car for us. Uh, we were able to, to do a, a small shakedown, but you know this is C-Ring. So you know, unless you're here, you're not here. So I mean, the the opportunities to get get the car comfortable and, and get everyone up to speed is going to be pretty big. And and I I haven't been in a GTD car in a while, so I need that opportunity as well. How much just even looking at the interior of the car, the cockpit, the the driver's point of view. How much has changed from the Viper to now looking at the Acura? Because the NSX is virtually a spaceship. You know, not much has changed. I think in the, um, certainly the Viper being front engine and rear drive and and being a V10 and naturally aspirated and having that really long snout um, and the Acura being a twin turbo V6 that's relatively quiet like it's you can talk inside the car when you're at full song almost and um it that's the biggest difference is just the ergonomics um the uh the acura however is uh it's a new cockpit but it's it seemed comfortable when i got in it and it could be some of that comfort is because a good friend of mine raced it last year and maybe that rubs off on on me a little bit but um the uh, overall the aesthetics and everything uh, it, everything was easy to find. There's a few, quite a few more knobs on the steering wheel of the Acura than there ever was on the Viper. Uh, the Viper was pretty sorted, and everything was on the the panel uh, to your right. And this is most of it's on the steering wheel, more like an open wheel car. So that's the biggest adjustment to get to is to finding out where everything is. And this track is really busy. So when they tell you, hey, you need to make traction control changes or you want to try a different ABS setting or, you know, turn your air conditioner on, um, finding it is, is going to be key. And that just takes familiarity with the car and everything. And we're getting there. Um, I sat in it for a long time just going through it and I've got a manual and, you know, I've been reading up on it and whatnot. So um, I feel pretty comfortable with it. I sat in it for a while today, too, just, you know, getting it ready for you. The hand clutch, is that weird for you to get used to? It's surprisingly no. Um, and the reason is is because I raced for years in shifter carts, and there, you use your left hand for a clutch. So I was like, oh, just like shifter carts, cool, and had no problems from that point on, and um, really had no problems with it. It's, it's a little small. It's a small little uh, carbon fiber uh, flap. And it has no pressure at all on it, but it's all electronic. And it's a really quite a marvel of technology. And I would encourage anyone that has a chance to, that's going to be here at the 12-hour or the test to, to stop in and, and take a look at it. But it's because it's, it's really cool. But um, it's definitely different because the Dodge Viper had a heavy clutch. And the Porsche um, RS, RSR, the race at Le Mans, had a clutch. So, um, but, you know, 
the Ferraris and and uh, some of the other cars, the Lamborghini doesn't have a clutch and and has a giant brake pedal. This is kind of a mixture of the middle, so it's kind of a, a interesting thing to to see. But really, I was really comfortable with it right away because it reminded me so much of everything that I've done, you know, ten years ago. So it was kind of cool. With it being electronically controlled, is it? Like, do you have to do anything particular so that it won't stall? Because obviously if it's not triggered by wire or anything like that, you don't really get a feel for when it's about to stall. Or, or do you? Well, you can stall it if you, just like if you drop the clutch too fast, it'll stall at low RPM. But if you if you have the power and the and the, the boost up and the turbo spooled up, you're not so going to stall. So if you grab the heebie-jeebies out of it? Yeah, you, I mean, if you do what you need to do and you're going to get out of the pits. <laughs> Without a problem, You're, we're gonna we're gonna show that a couple times on on coming out of the pits. Like it'll it'll you'll get your wheel spin when you want it. So uh, it still has a plenty of power, but uh, you know it it's really a lot more simple. Keep in mind the engineers are way smarter than us drivers, and you know they have solutions for everything. And, and this is yet another technological marvel that is beyond my comprehension. So I just use it as a tool. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting a little bit of additional Sebring track time uh, before the race comes along, aside from the 18 hours over the course of the next two days. You're also doing a full program over in Trans Am and their first race being at Sebring. Is that a good thing for you, more track time in that car? Because it is the opposite of the Acura. Yeah, you can't get more opposite no. than a Trans Am 2 car and a proper GT3 car. So um, I think uh, anytime I'm racing a car is a great experience, um, a great opportunity, and I'm going to take advantage of it. I think a guy's like Jerome Bleakamolen, he races everything, and he races all the time, and um, it doesn't it, it doesn't do anything, but, but other than lack of sleep, I think it helps overall with how sharp you are and competition and um, certainly exposure for, for your partners and who's involved. Um, just, just announced this week... Uh, or last week that uh, race be reunited with the team that I raced the Detroit Grand Prix Mm -hmm. in 2016 with, Stevens Miller Racing, um, and we're just kind of uh, about to release a new uh, partner that's been with the team as a primary sponsor for Sebring for next weekend, so that news is coming out pretty quick. But I'm really excited to do that, the Trans Am program, and the opportunity came mainly because we didn't have a solid plan for cj wilson racing at the time in december we had an idea but when i looked at the idea and what they figured the the minimum and the maximum what we would do i said oh well there's no conflicts other than one so you know when you when we figure out what we're going to do then i'll make that decision but i was able to move forward with something and uh, the team's been great to work both teams have been great to work with and they understand you know what my goals are and they have goals themselves and and we're just right now everything fits into place really well so um coming to sebring what four times this month or in thir- in 20 some days yeah. no problem i'll do it no problem um you know uh, any amount of time you can get here is is important which is why there's so many people that test here you're acting as a friend co-driver and also a driver coach for Till Bechtelsheimer. Raced here a couple of times now, uh, so he's got some good experience. Mm-hmm. The GT4 experience that he has, will that help him get up to speed with the GT3 car? Or are there any bad habits that you're going to have to break your co-driver? Um, you know, I think the biggest, dr- the biggest struggle that he's going to have uh, is just the differences in classes here. So... Mm-hmm. GT4 we ran in the day. We ran in a short amount of time. Here, the the conditions will change over 12 hours, and we run in the night, and we're the slowest class versus we were the fastest class in GT4. So you really didn't have to worry about, you know, prototypes coming through or GTLM cars coming through and the, those the big differences in cornering speeds and, and closing rates. Um, so I think that is going to be the biggest uh, hurdle for Till, the the comfort he experienced in the car because the GT3 car compared to a GT4 is a bit easier to drive. Huh. It's really well sorted car. It's got traction control and ABS and very good ABS. They were built to be race cars. They're not production cars built to be race cars. They're race cars built to be race cars. Which um, um, and with the additional aerodynamic aids and this the, a good front splitter and the dive planes and the rear wing. 
it really makes the car kind of fun to drive. Um, and sometimes the GT4 was a bit of a, a hassle, uh, like a handful. But um, o- overall, I think there's a lot of learning curve as tires wear off because you're running a 52-minute stint as fast as you can in 85-degree weather at the bumpiest track in America. Um, you know, there's attrition that goes involved. And when you're on the edge of a car going 40 miles per hour faster or 30 miles per hour faster, um, I mean, really, 6 to 10 seconds a lap faster than we were going last year, it's going to be, you know, the margin of error is smaller. So even though it may be more comfortable for them to drive, um, it's still as hard to drive at the limit, and the margin of error is larger. So that's he understands that. I think he's, this test is going to be a big help for him, and the fact that he's going to get a lot of time in the car um, is going to be a big help as well. Thank you so much for this, Mark. I feel like I've really learned a lot. Good luck this season in that number 36 Acura. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Full season drive now for Felipe Nazar. They've been watching you at Action Express for a few years. They've been trying to figure out how to get you to be a part of this program. And Daytona paid off pretty well. You guys came away with the second place. How long do you think it'll be before you're winning, though? Well, it did, in fact, work out. You know, I was happy to be joining the team again. Uh, the first time I worked with them was back in 2013. I was there a young boy at the time. I'm still young, though, but just saying it was a few years ago. But... Uh, Daytona was amazing to get the the one two for the team. I think it was the first time in, in history for them to get a one two uh, at Daytona. Uh, so it was very special for us, you know. Uh, but I promised them and I told them, you know, next time just make sure the 31 goes ahead. <laughs> but that will be in Sebring. So um, no, so far I'm happy. You know, I'm really happy with the team. There's a lot of familiar faces here. Yeah. And uh, we get along pretty well, and uh, it's a lot of tons of work to do, uh, especially setting up the car and uh, you know getting used. You know, for me, it's all different. The tracks I've been, you know, grown up more or less in uh, in Europe, so all I knew was the tracks in Europe. But Daytona was a familiar one to me, and uh, but yeah, so far so good. What do you think of Sebring so far? Well, Sebring, it's a lot different to. The tracks I'm used to, like I, I had a chance to test here. Uh, I think it was November last year, mm-hmm. so it was my first contact with the track, and it's it's pretty challenging. Like, uh, but I love it. You know, it's it's pretty bumpy in some places, very tricky, very technical, but it's like amazing for a driver to you know to get a feel when you nail a lap here. It's just uh, it's just really nice, really. You know, like you got turn 17. What I would say is the trick is here. But it has a really nice flow. Looking at the calendar going forward, you guys are going for a championship. What's the track that excites you most when you think about the 2018 season? Uh, well, I, I have to put Daytona up there as well. But I one that I'm l- really looking forward to is going to be Watkins Glen. Uh, all I've heard from the drivers, I haven't been there yet. I've been as an spectator to watch a race, mm-hmm. an IndyCar race. But uh, I've seen you know the layout of the track. I've played on simulators. And, you know, it's just incredible. Like, it's a real racer track. And, um, you know, until then, there's a lot to happen, but it's one that I'm really looking forward to. And that's an important one for your co-driver as well, Eric Curran. That's sure. his favorite track in the country, so maybe he's had a little bit of influence on you? Yeah, he does. He, d- he told me about, you know, a lot about it, and uh, he's just, you know, you see his excitement. So it must be a good one. And, uh, in fact, you know, I think they did a pretty good job there last year. So, um, on history, looking back, I think Eric had a good history there as well in the team. So, I'm, I'm pretty confident, you know. Uh, Eric is a great guy, has a lot of experience in endurance racing as well. And uh, I'm trying to teach him some Portuguese. That's his only struggle now. <laughs> he's he's- going to have some problems with that I can see that happening when you get into this race car though I mean look at all the great race cars you've driven in the past where does this Cadillac rank among them I have to say it's one of the fun cars I've ever driven you know and when I speak to other drivers uh, you know they're all very happy the way the series put together the chassis and engine Uh, but I have to say my wheel and Cadillac is it's an amazing car to drive and we drivers have fun, you know, even when you're chasing down on traffic, you know, you're following other cars, you're still able to race them. It's not like, you know, you, you got to keep a distance, you know, because you have a, you know, 
get disturbed by the air of the car in front, but it's not the case. It's a pretty fun car to drive, and I think that's why I see this series so competitive. That's why you want to be here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, that was, you know, today I feel like, you know, 100% made the right choice to be here, and uh, I think Daytona showed, you know, to a lot of people that how close the field was. If you look back in qualifying, during the race, and uh, I expect to be an all-year-long competition here to be, to be nice. Good luck throughout the course of the year. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasant surprise to run into Alex Brundle in the paddock. You're back with your United Autosport team for a whole lot of testing this weekend. First off, when did you find out you were going to be making the plane trip over to Sebring? Um, only about a day before I did. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Richard rang me up on on a Sunday night and then I flew. Actually, I flew on Tuesday, so I had a whole 24 hours. Uh, That's a nice bit of uh, advance warning. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we're, I have... I have pretty much have a bag packed at home just in case that that kind of happens. Um, so obviously here because uh, Bruno wasn't uh, wasn't feeling too good and not up to the test. So um, you know, way more way more important than racing. Hopefully he's feeling better soon. Um, but you know, I'm just I'm just lending a hand with the test until uh, until he's uh, he's up on his feet and jumping back in the car. Been a few years since you've been to Sebring International Raceway, but at least you know the way around the track. How much of a help are you going to be to poor little Phil Hansen and Paul DeResta, who have never been here before? Well, you know, Paul's, Paul's a class act, yeah. so he should be on it in five seconds flat. Um, so there's not, not too much. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll help as much as I can with uh, LMP2 specifics. Um, Phil, I think he, he's got the, the right mentality, and uh, I think he's done uh, a little bit of time in, in a P2 car now. So, yeah, just, uh, just the lumps and bumps of Sebring to learn. Um, but that, that might take him uh, a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sure he'll be he'll be up to speed in no time. So just anything I can do to help these guys uh, get the best performance possible in the race is is my job. How much faster are you expecting to be in the test than you were the last time you raced here? Because the car is significantly better. Yeah. So well, we've got a lot more downforce and a lot yeah. more power. So it should just happen. Um, I don't know. Um, honestly, I, I've kind of. It was 2014, and um, yeah, it might not look like I've done much, but I've, <laughs> I've been been around a bit since then, so I need to kind of dial back in and remember. So we're kind of starting from scratch. I, I don't know what we were doing then. Uh, I think probably like 51s in qualifying, weren't we? So, yeah, we're going to be a good couple of seconds quicker, but uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just uh, drive to the limit of grip and then see what the dashboard rewards me with at the end. How much fun did you have at the uh, 24 Hours of Daytona running with Joda Sport? It was awesome. I mean, we had such an awesome group of drivers as well. Like, it, it was. That's what's the really nice thing about sports cars is you get guys come from everywhere, and uh, you get this, you know, way more data. In you know, I get more data through the the twenty four hours of Daytona than I do through than you know two guys across a garage would get through a whole single seater season. So, you know, it, it was nice to run with those guys and. Um, you know, enjoyed their company and um, held my own, and um, so yeah, it, uh, it was it was mega fun. And also, you know, racing with Fernando, racing with Juan Pablo, racing with Helio. God, there's so many guys in that race that are just awesome. So it was it was great. Don't sell yourself short. You're one of the big names too. <laughs> how much do you want to get back over to racing in the states, and how important is it to do these? Even a test day at Sebring puts your name back in front of people. Oh, the IMSA Championship right now for a for a P2 car or a GPI is definitely a destination. That's for sure. I mean. Yeah, uh, I want to. I want to give the best performance possible. Definitely, I, I, I did my best in Daytona, and I want to give the best performance possible here. Um, because looking for a seat out here is is you know, if yeah, pretty much number one on my priority list. Um, I uh, you know outside of my, my plans for this year, which are which are set and awesome. I, I can't talk about them too much yet, and I'm, I'm really happy where I am at Jota Sport. You know, they're awesome, awesome guys. But looking to the future of sports car racing, IMSA is, uh, IMSA is a great series. Hopefully we get more of you over here. Thanks for chatting with us, Alex. Thanks. A year ago, Trent Hinman and I were standing in the pit lane behind the winning cars box talking about how cool it would be to be in this race. Now you've got a car, your name is over the door. Being with this Acura program, you got a little bit of a taste for Daytona, but what are you expecting from the 12 hours of Sebring? It's it's hard to come into a race with expectations when you're a rookie to it. Um, Daytona was was similar. I mean, I got to run the race in 2017 in a prototype challenge car, and that was more or less a rude awakening in, as to what I needed to do as a driver in order to be successful 
uh, in a long distance endurance race like that. So having the opportunity to work with Mike, work with the Acura NSX GT3, Catherine, Alvaro, AJ, I learned so much from, from all three of my co-drivers and, and just this entire team in general at Daytona about what it really what really needs to happen uh, for a guy like me who's relatively inexperienced in these sort of races to, to end up where they are. Um, they did nothing but help me and, 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 and really kind of take me under their wing and show me the ropes, so to say. So, um, you know, moving into this race in Sebring, I think we're, we're expecting a, b- a bit more performance out of the car. I think, I think Sebring's going to suit this car um, in 2018 a little bit better than it did last year. So, so we're looking forward to uh, just getting it on track, seeing where the cards fall, and um, we'll go from there. But to expect a result, I think it would be... Uh, would be a little bit much. We all obviously want to do well. We want to bring home a win. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, we just need to need to to stay smart and focus on the things that are going to carry carry us to that result. You not only have all the data from last year, two cars running, but now a sister car to bounce off as well. How weird is that? Um, I think I think it's great. I mean, again, so I, I got to learn so much by working with AJ and Catherine and Alvaro. But it was the same thing with with a 93 car, with Justin, with Lawson, uh, with Mario, and with Combe. Uh, just so many good drivers under 110. It was it was actually more or less a bit overwhelming for me because there's such a huge you know information overload uh, coming to again to a guy like me who's relatively inexperienced at this level and and uh, in in these sort of long distance endurance races. So uh, there, it's it's such a great program because everybody's so open book. We're all willing to to share information. You know, comp- or, uh, information's con- constantly being shared between each car, uh, but amongst the drivers, it's something that I'm not necessarily used to with having that much of sort of a flow between both cars. So, um, I think it makes the entire team better. I think the 93 obviously would have had a great result in Daytona as well if it if it weren't for uh, you know just some just some issues that uh, come about in a long distance race like that. But um, you know, again, I, I, I look forward to, to many of the same things going on this, this week and, and once we're back here for race week at the 12-hour. You say relative inexperience, but you're a multi-time champion, multi-time IMSA champion in various series coming up the ladder. You've got a lot of track time around Sebring because of Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. You've got Alvaro, who's never driven here before, <laughs> so you going to put him in the car for a bit longer? Uh, I think that's the plan, yes. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, judging by the way he picked up Daytona, uh, the guy is so damn good. Sorry, but he he is really so good. I, I don't see I don't see him really taking too much time to, to pick this place up. Yeah, it's it's for sure one of the more difficult places in North America. Um, but he he's he's so good. And again, we've got such uh, a flow of information between both cars, between every single person on this Michael Shank Racing team, to where um, I, I think he'll he'll pick it up fast and he'll be he'll be one of the guys that we're chasing after ultimately. How does your experience last year in the Mercedes and also the Lamborghini help you with the Acura? Uh, tremendous. I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, just the the GT3 spec car alone is is something that um, when I talk about relative and experience, to I got to run those two races last year uh, between VIR and Petit Le Mans. But to be in a program consistently and, and return to the same car after a weekend driving it, uh, again, is something something new to me at this level. But it's also something that I'm, I was really looking forward to uh, from Daytona to this particular test. Okay, I'm finally getting a chance to, to get back in a car that I had a race weekend, kind of knowing uh, what to expect in the car mechanically, uh, what to expect in the team, just overall function. So it's nice to, to be able to go go home from an event like Daytona, just sort of download and reset, but then know that you're coming back to a place that you already already had the opportunity to work. So those two races last year helped me tremendously in just getting an idea of what a GT3 car is capable of. Uh, but now it's, it's nice to put that to good use and, and really get to work. And this morning you were put to work super early, bright and early before coffee even, doing the photo shoot. Talk about the pressure involved in that, because people just see the final product. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying. It really is, Shay. Like, so it's not even how close you are, because you're going kind of slow. But see, now that's another problem, because we don't drive these cars slow. They're only meant to be driven 100%. 
like absolutely flat out. So they they make weird noises. They have some weird vibrations. You know, downshifts and upshifts aren't that clean when when you're not full throttle or you're going slow. And like everything, it, your mind is set to to sort of anticipate the way the car is re- going to react at high speed. So when you're all sort of three wide on this super wide back straight here and and you're like inches apart you don't know exactly how the cars react and you're also not sure if your buddy right next to you knows like which direction you were just told to go it's it's terrifying because you absolutely don't want to be that guy who puts a scratch on a car during a photo shoot god doesn't that just sound terrible Uh, it does but hopefully the final product turns out well thank you so much for chatting with us and good luck at the sebring 12 hour your first definitely not your last hey no problem thank you very much my favorite question of the year philippe albuquerque what time is it exactly (laughs) yeah i'm yeah very happy to look at the watch and then and and see the time but uh to be honest i'm actually not not really wearing it uh actually that's a question for 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 rolex are they coming back again with a full steel one i find it even if it's cheaper i would like more the steel one Uh, i have one from 2013 yeah but it's not an overall win uh i still love this one because the amount of work we had into it uh, it's it's important and how much you mean to me but uh, definitely i would like the one without being the gold one (laughs) so does it feel different having won the race overall do you do you look at the two and think about how different they are I just put them away, to be honest. I just save them, and I'm not wearing them at all. Uh, I don't know why, to be honest. I they just save it there, and uh, obviously, I love them, and just uh, for the amount of work, and I enjoyed uh, the first win, obviously, and uh, I loved it, and uh, because it was as well like really tight as well. Uh, this one has a special one feeling because it's overall and special, such a competitive year. Um, yeah, just feelings going through that, and uh, it's much more than just a watch and just, uh, you know, just the price that it has. It's just, uh, you know, because we worked so much and the emotions and it goes in there, it just reminds me all the crew and, uh, yeah, you know, all those moments and that we've been through. Talk about that priceless moment, though, of your daughter walking up and getting the watch from you on the podium and then walking away like that has to be just completely different yeah it's so so special because i i think it's uh how americans live the racing it's much more friendly than uh, european guy lives and uh, and i feel comfortable and the team actually it's comfortable as well and it's how they live in here like i can bring my family along and to to have them along and they they it's fine but in europe it's not at all like that it's more just the driver getting focused and the family is not even next to the boxes or kids not even close because they don't want the distraction even if it's not it's not a distraction so having them in in the podium there and and it's just being so easy to touch them and to be with them and uh, it's very unique and it's uh, because in the end the sacrifice that I do it's uh, obviously the family suffers a little bit because I'm away from home and it's a package so you know I have my teammates which is drawing Christian but then as well my teammate is my wife and obviously my my daughter and uh, and they leave all the success and the, the losses so it's it was very special to give the watch and give to mommy so it's uh, again the watch from the family so it's it's cool well you definitely won the family championship but you start <laughs> off the 2018 championship the best possible position you guys have the best pit box coming here to Sebring think you can do two in a row yeah, uh, why not? Why not? Definitely, uh, I, I think the momentum, uh, I said this before, that um, the momentum is great after winning a race, but I think the momentum that we had, it, it's coming already for one year ago. So we were leading a lot, like last year, Daytona, we finished second, doesn't matter, then that we went to Sebring, we led, I think we were the guys leading the most Sebring race, and then eventually uh, the, the 10 car was just fastening in the night, but we were there. Yeah. Uh, and then we won Watkins Glen, we won the NEA, championship at least with me on on yeah. a board and then we go on and we won this race so uh, i'm looking to the performance that i'm having with with action express um pretty pretty good actually and i was leading petit le Mans a few few minutes to the end and i got the penalty because maybe i was too aggressive but again so it's being very very good uh, i know that i will i will have bad races eventually but i'm just trying to have it later as late as i can but the moment is great and I, the chemistry is it's perfect so 
what can I say? I don't want to stop ever. <laughs> well, you're one of the only guys, one of three guys now, who can say that they've won with the 6-liter engine and with the new 5.5-liter. So did it make a big difference? Did you feel the Cadillac power changed? Well, uh, I don't. I didn't feel a difference, to be honest, because, well, it, it kind of feels lame for a professional driver to say the difference of an engine. But I tell you what, because the the six the six point two the previous engine by Petit it was so much castrated I don't know if you can yeah. say that I yeah. cut it like completely no power at all it was a boring engine unfortunately no soul at all and it was just slow on a straight and we were definitely not the fastest and we was we were an easy pick to for the to overtake um, but it was performing well but uh, so when we get this one with but much less restrictions on it uh, it's just like okay now we have more power so. Uh, I just like now that we have back again power and we can fight the other guys on the straight that uh, I'm happy but I still remember the feeling that I had when I first drove the Cadillac and the other engine without any restrictions that was a boost that was a gun there and I remember to say man we just need to put some you know can take this car as it is we go to Le Mans and I can tell you what we're going to be really up there I mean just don't touch on anything it's pretty standard yes please <laughs> yes please I was like I tell you this I, with my experience I tell you you guys oh, can come over with this engine take the little restricted that you still have there in Daytona and uh, we would be good so it was uh, it's amazing engine and uh, it's amazing the potential that those engines have there's a lot of racing for you in the U.S. this year. Any chance that you might get a Cadillac company car to drive when you're over here? Because, I mean, we've had that before, and it's pretty nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, because, but normally, sometimes I'm going with um, with Juan or Christian. We, we go on their, on their cars. Uh, it, it becomes hard because because I'm racing as well in Europe. It's hard for me to... Or I'm not spending as much time as maybe I would like to. Uh, so, because then I go back to Europe for testing or racing. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't ask them, but I, I'm pretty sure that they would be willing to, to give me a, a company car to, to drive around. But then would be another question to to, to know which model <laughs> and where to keep it. I mean, you could keep it at my house. I'd yeah, be okay for, with or that, yeah. for example. Yeah. <laughs> you had some pretty exciting news coming out earlier this week too. What what other racing are you doing besides Europe? Yeah, I mean, uh, it just came out this invitation um, from full time. It's a stock car in Brazil, and uh, because I was available, and they they, they asked me, uh, ah, we, we would like you to have you, and uh, and Rubens, and just called me Rubens Balricello, and he's in the team, and he just said, hey, pay Portuga, uh, I just came out of the hospital, and uh, it's everything fine with me, and uh, obviously I knew him, I knew him because I was kind of teammate with him in uh, in Star Wars back in the yeah. time. And uh, that's when I met him, and he's an amazing guy. And uh, and I said, like, uh, now that I, I lost two weeks of of things, of of developing things, but no, I know that your name is on the list. You were my pick, and uh, so I want you to have in my car. So well, what you need, what do you need to, to come ride with me? And then he said, like, just let's do this. I'm super happy that you are fine and you are complete 100 percent. And uh, Let's go do this and have fun, and, uh, and then we see where we are. But uh, you are in a top team. You won the championship before, so there is no reason why we should not be there. So it, it was like a bunch of things, uh, a nice uh, news that first one, like, you know, uh, a hero for me that, uh, you know, like we have like kind of 10 years or something different age, but I was 10 years old when he was already in Formula One. Yeah. And, uh, and then he was in obviously teammates he was in Ferrari and I was watching him racing in Formula One and I grew up kind of watching him and then once in my life just you know having a call from Rubens Barrichello calling me um, inviting him to drive with him to be his choice uh, for this championship and then racing in uh, Interlagos which is a track that I never raced with I never raced before so it's a bunch of things like it's a momentum that it's just great and it's kind of funny that when one thing comes well together, there is more things coming together. It's just crazy how life it is, but uh, I'm enjoying it, uh, and I'm just taking all I can to enjoy it, and like, just not forcing too much, and just living living the life, I would say. Ricky Taylor, back to the concrete of Sebring International Raceway. I'd say, does it feel good to be back? But you guys have done so much testing here. Does it feel like you have a second home at Sebring now? It does. I mean, we have done a ton of days here, and I, I keep thinking, like, do we really need to keep coming back? <laughs> but the test list is getting longer and longer every time we come here. So this time we still got a full plan. 
Um, they've been to the wind tunnel and the seven post and all kinds of stuff in between uh, Daytona and now. So a lot more questions to be answered, and I think you know they're, everybody's happy we have another opportunity to test some stuff. Leaving Daytona, did you guys feel like there was anything in particular that you needed to pinpoint? You, you don't have to say what it is, but like that you needed to improve upon. I think at Daytona we knew that we could have improved for that racetrack, but Daytona is such an outlier um, that we, it's hard to use those lessons for the rest of the year. Um, I think we were all very happy with the pace, but I think we, we definitely think we could improve. And there's some things that we can carry over, but um, Daytona is a, is a bit unique, but so is Sebring. Yeah. And so the first two races, I mean, you learn some street course stuff here and um, a lot about controlling the car over the bumps and aero and lots of little things for Sebring, but um, yeah, not, not a ton of carryover from Daytona. Do you feel like this is a good test then in turn for Long Beach? Yeah, I think I think it is. I think Long Beach is, uh, you have to show up there ready to go and um, with the car 95% of the way to the way you're going to race it because where the first car's on track, the track changes about eight seconds in lap time from the, from the start of the session to the end of the session. So you don't learn anything in, in there. And then you've got like one or two more, two more sessions before the race. So, I mean, we have to take what we learn here. The bumps are, are similar. Um, there may be a little higher speed here, but um, basically you have to make the car work. And uh, so hopefully we can take some of that over there. At least, at least that's our plan. When we get there, we'll find out if it worked or not. You've tasted the orange juice of winning here before. How badly does that make you want to win again? Yeah, I love the orange juice. Um, no, I think uh, this is such a tough race. And I think it's kind of like Daytona. You feel like... Uh, it's the kind of race you can be fast every single time you come here and never win. And tons of drivers come here and never never win their entire career. And so to have checked the box and uh, take a little bit of the pressure off, but only makes you want to win it again even more because you know the feeling. And, uh, yeah, to do it with, with Team Penske and Acura and Elio and Graham would be uh, would be super cool as well to be able to add to, add to their history. They're a bit like Cher. They, you just know who they are from their first name alone. How That's was true. Daytona? Like, now that you've driven with them, good chemistry for all three of you? Yeah, the chemistry's been great. Um, the sizes are a little different, but the chemistry's <laughs> been great. Um, we, uh, I think we all enjoy working together. At least I enjoy working with them. Um, the team has been fantastic. Really, I thought it was going to be difficult to fit in and a high, very high-pressure environment because they're expecting to win, but... Uh, although you feel the expectations to win and perform, uh, they make you feel at home and, and make you feel very comfortable and belonging. Uh, so that's been really nice. But yeah, like getting to work with Elio on a, on a day-to-day basis and being on the pre-event conference calls with him and see how he works has been really, uh, really interesting for me to see his experience. When you guys have one of those conference calls, like coming into a test weekend obviously you talk about what you want to accomplish during the test but what else are you guys discussing like how do you plan for 18 hours of running yeah there's uh lots of questions um things that have changed from daytona and i think the calls are probably longer now than they will be a year from now just because there's so many unknowns and so many things are changing and uh we're all kind of learning what this car likes and doesn't like and what what it responds to um so lots of like every time our engineer mentions us us making a change. We have questions of why and um, why did you make that decision? And there's just, just a lot of information that goes with with every bit of uh, knowledge that we learn. So uh, yeah, the call, the calls have been good though. I think seeing Elio's approach and uh, although he's not an IndyCar anymore, he's he's taking it super super seriously. And I can see the amount of time he puts into studying the car and, and understanding what what we're doing on the race weekends he's still sort of an indy car i mean he's going to be grand marshal for the saint pete opener in a few weeks you're going to drive over it's not that far yep definitely going to be there um it'll be different being uh being at an indy car race with a with a connection especially being teammates with the grand marshal that's never happened before <laughs> um but yeah i'm excited and uh i think it's nice for elio uh he's accomplished so much and uh it's also nice that He's going to be back for the 500 and the Grand Prix in Indy. 
You gonna go to the 500 then, cheer them on? I, I would love to. So hopefully I'll be available, um, but I would love to go. Uh, cheer them on, obviously, and, and be there as one, number one fan, I'm sure. There's still a lot of racing left on the schedule this year. What's the race that you're most excited about for 2018? I'm excited for all of them. I think... Uh, and you mean that, too. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, every every race has its own challenges, and I still bet, I think I think we all just want to win every race. Yeah. And so we're taking it one race at a time, and Sebring is such a big event, and uh, Acura and Penske has so much history here um, that I really want to win this one, and then I want to win four in a row at Long Beach, and, and then... Uh, What's after that? We've Mid-Ohio. got Mid-Ohio. I want to win in Mid-Ohio. I've never been on the podium in Mid-Ohio. Really? And it's always been a disaster race. So I want to overcome that because I feel like I really enjoy the track. And No, I could I could go on and on for the whole list. And um, Yeah, I just, I'm excited for the whole year this year. And especially with the level of competition and uh, all the good cars. And I think when there are this many good cars, it really pushes you. And it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, I'm sure. Well, the Penske colors look good on you, so good luck this whole year, and hopefully you do make it to the top step soon. Thank you very much. Finished third here twice, has Brian Sellers at the 12 Hours of Sebring. You've done that a few times before, though, made it to the podium in some big races, and then all of a sudden pulled a win out of nowhere. You're back with the Lamborghini team, but you guys have brought in Corey Lewis to join you at Paul Miller Racing. What's it been like having somebody who you've raced against in class all of a sudden sharing your seat? Well, it's really good. I mean, he was, for us, he was a calculated pick, obviously. You need um, you need someone that can step in as a third driver and fill a very specific role. It's a very difficult role to be placed in as a driver. Um, you get very little seat time, um, and you're expected to go out and not make any mistakes and be fast. So when you're looking for that, you need someone who has the right mindset to be able to come in and be a team player and not try and take charge of a program that they're only in for a certain amount of time Uh, someone that has familiarity with the car and the operations of it and someone who can get in and perform and I think ultimately the team felt like Corey was a a great choice for that Um, you know everybody got to watch him a lot last year what they did with change and um, you know I think somewhat similar to what we've seen with Madison, you see these guys just continue to grow and get better and show that their ceiling is really high. Um, Corey and Madison have had some relationship over the years running Trofeo together, so there is definitely some familiarity between them, um, and that that helps. All that means a difference when you kind of come into a 12-hour race and you have to share this car together. So uh, it was a good choice for us. We're excited to have him and as expected he was up to speed right away this morning 12 hour race but 18 hours of testing over the course of today and tomorrow how much does that help you especially getting that third driver up to speed it's it's hard sebring and daytona are two places that are very difficult to base a whole lot off of the tests you go to Um, all the time you do the roar before daytona and you have a good car and then you come back for the race and it's completely different from what you have Sebring, I would say, is probably not as bad as what the roar is, but it it would seem that that's generally the case. Things change a lot in the month from now until the race. The temperature generally goes up. The track gets greasy. The balance of the car always changes. The, the tire degradation as the track temperature comes off changes substantially from where it is for, from this test usually. So I think what you try and do is just get a good platform and not focus too much on on the finite adjustments of the balance and just make sure you check off your boxes is it good over the bumps does it break well does it you know go in a straight line all all the just kind of mindless stuff that you don't need to be wasting time on when you get back here for the race and um so that'd be the goal here you'll you'll run through some big ticket items that you can't do when you come back through the race big wholesale spring changes and and things like that to kind of um you know dot all your I's and cross all your T's, uh, but you you try not to place too much on the speed. This test, though, it's a lot hotter than it's been in years past. I mean, Florida, 85 degrees is normally a March thing, not a February thing. I don't know that it's going to get too much hotter, so does that make this test even more important for you guys looking at the forecast? I think it does, yes. I think 
you're absolutely right. Um, generally, this test is really fast because the temperature is much lower. And so what you'll see is always at Sebring, it, it, in most tracks, but certainly at Sebring, you'll see if you're prepared in the first hour of the morning, the lap times are really strong. And then it slowly degrades from there. And that's because it is so temperature sensitive here with the different pavements. Um so, yes, the higher temperature will be much more reflective of the race, unless we come back and it's 95 degrees, which, you know, we've had here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've had here in the past. So, um, but, you know, some of, the, some of the stuff that becomes important for this test is monitoring things like brake wear and in, in the different temperatures and the increased temperatures, you know, how quick you're going through it, fuel economies you know, focusing on how much fuel can you save before you lose lap time. So there's a lot of things you can do at the test that are not necessarily related to just going fast. And throwing in night practice as well. That's something that teams have been asking for for a long time. Now you get that relevant information for what your car is going to be like at the end of the race. And coming in here, you're the only Lamborghini. So getting the data is even more important. Yeah, the the night practice thing is, is great. I'm glad that um, th- these are the things you like to see in an evolution of a series is... Um, listening to the feedback from the people at hand and, and, and giving us the things that are reasonable to give to us. And I think that that's definitely one of them because your opportunity to run Sebring at night is, you know, few and far between. We get an hour and a half or two hours a night practice at the race, but it's never, it's never really enough. I mean, here you can really focus on making sure the lights are aimed the correct way. You can run through all the things you need to run through instead of just focusing on is the car good enough and fast enough at night. Um, So pretty excited about that to be able to go through and and run through those things. I mean, it's our our first into the night race in, in six months or whatever the number is. So it's going to be interesting to see when that all plays out. You mentioned at the Roar that your favorite restaurants of any track were the Thai place and the Mexican place. I went to the Mexican place. Have you been to the Thai place yet this trip? Yeah, we went to the Thai place <laughs> last <laughs> night because I, th- I thought we were going to have Mexican tonight because, of course, I didn't look at the schedule. And so I had no idea we had night practice. So I promised Madison we'd go to Mexican if we went to Thai with everybody last night. And, of course, we come in this morning, and they're like, okay, be ready. It's a long day. And I'm like, well, what do you mean it's a long day? And they said, well, you know, we go till 5. And I'm like, okay. And then they're like, and then 7 to 9. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Madison just kind of shot me a look like, so Mexican tonight, huh? Yeah. Um, so I don't think we'll make it this trip. So vengeance then for the 12-hour. You'll be eating Mexican every night. Yeah, that would be my payback is Mexican every night. But that's okay. What's the biggest thing you guys are hoping to learn over the test? Um, I think probably it depends on who who you ask, you know, whether it's an engineer, myself, Madison, or Corey, and I think that uh, each one has their own goals. Mine, mine personally will be um, what is our longevity like in terms of stint time, um, because I think that's what's really important in this race is... Uh, how can you maintain through the different conditions? You know, I've been here before where um, we've been really bad in the morning and really bad at night, but but really good through the day, and um, you know, vice versa. You know, been good in the morning and good at night, but bad during the day. And you have to find some you have to find some compromise that works in all um, in all those areas. And I think it's obviously track temp and and uh, you know and ambient temp related um so you have to find something that's not not too hard on the rear tires during the heat of the day and and something that's you know not too easy on the rears during the daytime so it's it's hard but i think for me that's the main goal third here twice third in the championship coming into this weekend hopefully you get a one in front of both of those by the time you leave good luck thank you appreciate it Only a few cars left on the track as the session winds down, but that's not it for Thursday's running. We still have that two-hour night practice session at Sebring. And I was talking with Juan Pablo Montoya at lunch, who has been here, but not really in the dark before. He has never raced in the 12 hours of Sebring, and he was asking, where are all the dark spots? To which the answer is basically the entire track. So a lot of drivers going to be learning 
hopefully not the hard way, where these dark patches are around Sebring. But I hope you've enjoyed our show today, presented by Cadillac. We've heard from a lot of really cool drivers, and there's more to come tomorrow. I'm not going to give any spoilers away, but I will be bringing coverage from day two, the Friday of the test, to get started bright and early as the Mazda just goes by on the back straight. They've had sort of a rough day. They were about an hour and a half late out to the session. No official timing from today or tomorrow. None of the teams can even see where they stack up. So there have been a lot of stopwatches deployed, a lot of old school stuff going on here at Sebring for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. But join me again tomorrow where we'll have more interviews here on RS2 IMSA Radio. I'm Shay Adam. We'll see you then. This program is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.